Let's turn to our to the book of Ephesians, chapter six. Ephesians six and verse nine. Seeing our mystical relationship to the Lord, chapter four, our moral relationship, chapter four, verse seventeen to five twenty one. And now we've seen our well we've seen already our marital relationships. And this is all the practical side of the epistle. First half was doctrine and the last half is how to live Christian life. And that's this chapter we're in here. And we're looking at our material relationship. Mystical, moral, marital and material relationships. And we're looking at verses 5 to 9 of chapter 6. We've um, looked at the marital that included husbands and wives and children and fathers. Now, we come to the material relationship is talking about servants. We've looked at that for two weeks, maybe three. And now we're looking at masters, um, employee, employer, if you were writing it in modern terms. Um, That's in verse 9. And this is how to live the Christian life, how it really works, how how it goes when the leather meets the road. (laughs) This is putting it into practice. So, masters and their men. Verse 9 we read, And ye masters do the same things unto them, the servants, forbearing, threatening. Wouldn't that have um, rejoiced the heart of a lot of servants? Not allowed to threaten me anymore. (laughs) You're a Christian. (laughs) No, I don't think the servant would do that. He might get threatened. But... um, Even today, that's a, a good verse. As long as the um, one being employed is doing the right thing and uh, doesn't need a little bit of a stir along. <laughs> but um, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. And more and more, I think of our relationship with God, how he acts toward us and how we should act toward him in marital material or um, here the the personal relationships and this is what the lord said here just as your heavenly father he's he's doing comparison as god would be toward us so we ought to be toward those who are serving under us let's pray thank you heavenly father for the practical personal instruction we find in your word again tonight and lord if there are those among us who employ people or who are serving under somebody else employed by a person may these things be real and may we see them work wonderfully in our relationship at work lord bless the word now to our hearts in jesus name amen now this is cross-cultural isn't it this is all over and uh, I wouldn't have liked to live when this was written, as far as masters and bosses. There was more slaves than, than citizens in Ro- the Roman Empire. So this is a, a real portion for them, uh, both. <clears throat> so masters and their men we're looking at tonight. We've looked at men and their masters. Now we'll look masters and their men. In this verse, one verse, a word about mutual responsibility is given here. And ye masters do the same things. And so this is a mutual thing, the same thing. This is a two-way street. 
As the spiritual guns have been firing at the employee, now God turns them on to the, the boss's employer, <clears throat> a two-way street. What is the golden rule? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And so if you're being employed, <clears throat> think of being the boss and what you'd like someone under you to do if you're the boss. Think of being the person that's under you and how would you like to be under you? <laughs> I think that would change a lot of bosses, wouldn't it? How would you like to be under my leadership if you were the boss? Um, and, and it would change a lot. And industrial relationships wouldn't, wouldn't need to be if this or these principles were practiced by both the parties. Let's turn to James. The book of James, chapter 5, and verses 1 to 6. It reads there, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for the misery that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver are, are cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasures together for the last days. So, okay, <clears throat> he's really laid into the rich people here. <laughs> Go to, he said. Come now. Then, in verse 4, Behold the hire of the labourers who have reaped down your fields. This is the employer and the employee. The, the hire of the labourers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you. You see, they didn't have industrial thing, factories in those days. So this is as good as being employed by the boss. Which is kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them who have reaped are entered into the Lord of the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. So God is hearing the cries of the poor people who you haven't paid properly. That's what it's saying. And you've kept them in poverty. And I know men that employ over a hundred people. And they keep them in poverty. I wouldn't like to try and live on the labourer's wage that they're trying to that they are living on, and they have to get to work, go home from work, and keep the family, pay the payments, and it uh, it's just not enough, not enough to go round. And so, <clears throat> this is true today. And I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of the boss on Judgment Day when he meters out judgment to those that have employing being employing people and, and kept back. The wage. You see, if you've got a hundred employees and you keep back a dollar an hour for every one of them, it's eight dollars and it's eight hundred dollars a day. By the end of the week, you're how much better off? Well, you think you're better off, <laughs> but not before the Lord. They're entered in into the ears of God as He hears the cries of these poor people trying to make ends meet. You've lived in pleasure. <laughs> Come on, be honest. Have you ever seen the boss in his boat and his swanking big four-wheel drive and heading off and you're stuck at his place working hard for him? Maybe he doesn't waste his money like that. <laughs> but how, you know, they've lived in pleasure and you're, you're labouring. Uh, and been wanton, you've nourished your heart as in a day of slaughter. I mean, this is a, every day is like a, a feast day. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. There's some very pointed points there, isn't there? 
One day, it'll all be judged. It'll all be levelled. <clears throat> so a word about mutual responsibility. We go back to verse 9 of chapter 6 of Ephesians. Ye masters do the same things to them. If you were they, what would you like to be done to you? Would you treat them, your men, the way you treat them, if you are under them? That's a, I think it's a good, good way to look at things if you ever become the boss. A word about managerial restraint in verses 9 again. The abuse of power. Forbearing threats. Love, respect, reward, recognition, not force and fear are the best way to encourage people to work. Force and fear are, the count, are counterproductive. They breed anger and they breed resentment and they breed strife. They breed riots. They breed complaints. They breed sit-ins. Now, there's equal on both sides, isn't there? You can be getting, you can be getting enough, but still the union gets together and says it's not enough. Um, you need to have wisdom in every decision and every circumstance you face. Employers do have authority and can legitimately use their power. And as long as sin reigns, law must be enforced. If you go to other countries, if you go to another country where there's the, the people don't, they have laws but they don't obey them, um, for instance, on the road, it's bedlam. It runs a lot smoother like it does out here where everyone stops at the red lights instead of driving through them. <laughs> gives way to this and gives way to that. And, but you see, a lot of what keeps the control in our country is if you don't do it, you're going to get a fine. That's not, not why we should do it. <laughs> we should do it out of respect for the Lord and we're, we're obeying the leaders because we're, and through them we're obeying the Lord, as it were. He's put them in power. Uh, employees who behave disrespectfully, dangerously, undutifully, should be able to be dismissed. And I don't think that's possible in our day. You have, um, Tony would know a lot about all this, in, in uh, industrial things, relationships, employees, employers. But... Um, <clears throat> If you, they give you six months trial and you behave and do the right thing and then on the, when you've got your job sealed and they can't sack you, then you get up to all sorts of mischief. You clock in late, leave early, one, sick days off when you're not sick and all that. The, the, the boss sees what happens and he's starting to go, oh, i got one of them and I can't get rid of them now. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're not one of those sort of persons. Um, <clears throat> power tends to corrupt, does it not? and erode character. And uh, Proverbs 30, verse 21, 22, for three things the earth is disquieted, and for four it cannot bear, for a servant when he reigneth. It's an interesting thought. It's, it's amazing how a servant who has been under and then he gets the job of reigning, he, he doesn't treat the servants, the other servants, like he would have like to have been treated when he was there. He just, it goes to his head, it seems. It's just the old nature. We've got it. It's been said power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Employers don't abuse your power. Giving orders to people feeds the ego and inflates the pride. Power can be intoxicating. 
And even the Lord said that in relation to authority within a church in First Timothy 3, 6, not a novice, not a novice. It's like a servant ruling uh, or reigning and taking on that job. Not a novice, novice lest being lifted up. But pride doesn't it say. I've only got part of the verse written there. He falls into condemnation of the devil. Um, <clears throat> totalitarian governments show how abuse of power is shocking in its outcome. And you like to live in some of the countries around the world that have totalitarian power? I hate to think that it could happen here. It could. It's heading in that direction. Every election it's getting closer to that point. I pray that it doesn't, that we do have what we've got. Um, <clears throat> it only takes a, one government to get in and a majority in both houses that they can start passing laws one off the other and changing boundaries of electorates to favour them that they get elected all the time. And then, then that starts, that where they think they are God and will be tied to people. Um, <clears throat> in verse 9 again, you masters do the same things unto them for bearing, threatening, don't threaten, don't do that. Remember they that are under you, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Know your master is in heaven. The abuse of position is noted by God. And God is not impressed with a person's position, for God gives men the power. And um, remember what Jesus made the reply to Pilate when he was being judged by Pilate. Uh, in chapter 19 of John and verse 11, he's, you know, Pilate said, Don't you know I have power to keep you alive? I have power to kill you, uh, crucify you. And the Lord's reply was what? Yep. I've given you that power. <laughs> Remember that. Wow. <laughs> that would have that got really Pilate thinking. It did, that answer. It just needed a few words from the Lord and it's and his wife backing that thought up. I've had some bad dreams about what's going on here. Don't have anything to do with that righteous man. Uh, but Pilate still went ahead and did what he did. <clears throat> so God's not impressed with the abuse of power. And even the Lord corrected those in power at the time. And <clears throat> remember when the Lord was being examined too, that he said something back to the high priest, was it Annas? And uh, was it a soldier slapped him? You know, don't you know you're talking to the high priest? And the Lord said, well, I didn't know. And there was an interesting reply. I didn't know that he was the high priest. I would have respected the office. <laughs> don't respect him, but I respect the office of that. Of, of he, and that's another way of looking at it. Um, the Lord has put people into power. In Romans chapter 13, we read this. <clears throat> In the Bible, a practical every day, a, day, a book we can live by daily. It's got all this in it. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Uh, the government, the, the boss. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And, and what was the reply when somebody in power was throwing their weight around and the apostles were captured and brought before them? Okay, who are we to obey? God or man? You're telling us not to preach? 
God told us to preach, we're going to obey God and we're going to preach despite what you say. So that's, what they, that's what their reply was and that's in scripture. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation if you resist the power of the bee. For rulers are not a terror, and, and this puts it in balance, verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. That's why the rulers are there, to punish them that do evil in the society. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. He is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, you speed, you break the law, you do the things that they've laid down for the betterment and for the smooth running of society. Be afraid if you break the law, for he beareth not the sword in vain. He is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that do evil. They need to have that pinned up in Parliament. <laughs> You're here for keeping the peace, punishing evildoers, reward those that do well. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> And I'm sure our present Prime Minister knows these verses. And a few others in Parliament know these verses too. But they dare not say them because, oh, you're just bringing your... Ah, wasn't it yesterday? They got all over Morrison, old Billy, I mean Bill, <laughs> Shorten trying to say, oh, he's one of those... What, what do you think? Sodomites go to hell? And he tried to bring in the religious side of things and, and the reply was, well, you know, not mixing... Religion and politics were on a campaign of winning an election. I think that's a reply, but anyway, we'll leave them make their decisions. They have to answer to God for it. Um, <clears throat> so, let souls be subject to the higher powers that God has ordained to punish evildoers. And who is always watching according to verse 9? Again, the last part in Ephesians chapter 6. God is always looking. Your master also is in heaven, looking, hearing, listening, reading thoughts, recording, all these things. In Matthew twelve thirty six, every idle word shall be judged. And thinkest thou that this, O, o man, that judgest them who do such things, and dost the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? No, master or servant, we are being examined by the Lord. And he's no respecter of persons. Now, <clears throat> where would you go? No. Where would you go for an illustration of what we've just talked about here? Down to earth, practical illustration of, it, of this happening, master and servant. Yeah, Philemon, Doug said. Book of Philemon. Let's just zip over there for a gif. A gif. <coughs> We looked at Joseph and his position and how he was a servant and submitted himself. Um, now we look at Philemon, he's the boss, he's in charge, he's got a servant. And it so happens in our daily devotional booklet that you get, I brought it along. If you, when I started looking at this, there was eight days that it spoke about Philemon. Remember that about a month ago? It was all about Philemon and Onesimus and um, Tychicus, who isn't mentioned there, but we'll see, see him now. And that was about a slave that had run away from his boss. And he'd run a long way from his boss. He'd gone right over to Rome. 
Um, <laughs> amazingly, he met Paul. Would have he met? Would have he known Paul previously? Yes, because his boss, Philemon, got saved through Paul's ministry, and there was a church in Philemon's house. And um, <clears throat> amazing, in Providence, he's over in Rome, reckon he's free now. He's not under this Philemon fella anymore. <laughs> and he bumps into Paul. I don't know how he bumped into Paul because Paul was in prison. How he got, maybe he got thrown into the clink. <laughs> um, it doesn't say. But <clears throat> here, and then there's not only those eight, eight days we had on devotionals, but there's this one, this one I was reading. A godly mailman. I should pass this on to Jeff um, or, or Brother Frank. <laughs> Worked in the mail department. But um, <clears throat> details of Onesimus' return are not documented. However, complementary biblical texts shed some light on it. Onesimus was not left to travel and face the consequences alone. This is Onesimus is the slave that ran away from Philemon. He wasn't let to go home alone. According to Paul's letter to the Colossians, Tychicus became his travelling companion as he went back to meet his old boss who was really upset. Now, <clears throat> what could have Philemon done legally to the runaway slave Onesimus? When he got home, he could have said, that's the end of you. I have every right to kill you. That's punishment, capital punishment for running away as a slave. And, um, <clears throat> but Tychicus was sent by Paul with Onesimus back to Philemon. And this is the story behind the story. We see their journey, hundreds and hundreds of miles they tromped. On foot, mostly. <laughs> A slave doesn't have a lot of money when he runs away. He probably has none, actually. He has to just live on his wits. The major cities overflowed with every form of debauchery, temptation, thieves, charlatans, prowled the roads and trails. Stadiums and places of temptation were all along the, on the, in the villages on the way. False gods everywhere. This is where they were going, from Rome back to Philemon. And I jump a bit and Paul knew Philemon, Onesimus, Onesimus's master well. And his confidence in the noble Christian character of his longtime friend Philemon stirred Paul to write an inspired letter seeking grace on behalf of the returning guilty slave, the returning guilty servant. Um, <clears throat> they talked about the journey. They talked to, secondly here about an extraordinary life. Although the book of Philemon focuses on Paul, Philemon and Onesimus, a uh, more in-depth study of the account reveals the story behind the story. An extraordinary life, an ordinary man named Tychicus, a godly mailman. So when you meet him, <laughs> greet him as such, in heaven I mean. Paul called Tychicus a beloved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord in Colossians 4.7. The Gentile churches in Asia had chosen Tychicus to join Paul in collecting and delivering an offering for the suffering Jewish believers in Jerusalem, Acts 20 verse 4. So he was trusted. Uh, <clears throat> today we've got, um, uh, what are they called, the armed guard car vehicles to deliver the money. What's their name? Armed guard. Armed guard. Huh? Chubbs? 
okay, one's Chubbs, and, and there's others. You sort of, oh my God, okay, yep. Well, this is what Tychicus was told. That no truck, no guns, no tasers. <laughs> they didn't have any of those sort of things to take the money that had been taken from churches down to Jerusalem. And this guy could run off it along the way too. He could run off to Egypt and spend it all, Rome or something. And Tychicus was a trusted man by the churches to do this. And it would have been quite a gift because you're not, you're not talking just about an individual they're taking an offering to. They're taking it to the church at Jerusalem and all the people that were suffering from being, for being Christians. Um, <clears throat> was Tychicus to whom Paul referred to in 2 Corinthians? It was Tychicus in 2 Corinthians 8, 18 and 19 when he mentioned the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. He was a well-known character and this is the character that Paul <clears throat> got to go back with this runaway slave. Tychicus carried with him Onesimus, we didn't carry him, he took him, but he also carried letters of enormous importance. He was the godly mailman entrusted to deliver Paul's original, original, I think he's one of the only few people that we have that had the original in his hands, parts of the Bible. Original epistles of the Ephesians, Colossians and Philemon. These are texts for the church. These are texts to tell how Christians had to live. And this guy was given the responsibility to take them along with this runaway slave. These God-breathed manuscripts are God's revelation of himself in his will and his gift of salvation for all to hear, accept and follow. Read and reread, copied and recopied, passed down through the ages. These epistles have been protected by God. Every trustworthy word from the originals is what we have today. Don't you believe that? The Bible is the Bible and we can trust it completely. And these guys travelled among thieves, amongst robbers, on roads, in through towns that were very dangerous. God's hand was upon them. I mean, we live in a day t totally different. That was their day and that's how it happened. God is sovereign and every detail involving the preservation of those scrolls was, was under his care, as was the salvation and selection of godly mailman, Tychicus, who would deliver them. God's truth was placed in the hands of an ordinary man whose diligence and care provided an opportunity for the word to be accurately communicated on earth for thousands of years to come. Now, here they are, they've left Rome. Weeks, months later, they turn up at Philemon's house. Imagine Philemon and the Colossians, the church at Colossia, disbelief and amazement when Tychicus and Onesimus arrived in town. Because they couldn't find a head and say, hey, they're common. <laughs> this was it. This is the mailman. <laughs> this is the original news. And they turned up and Philemon's mouth must have dropped to the floor. Look at him. Who does he think he is walking up the road so boldly to my house? He ran away here. I can execute him. <laughs> I don't know if he thought that as a Christian, as a leader in the church. But um, they arrived in town to the amazement of all and uh, Paul had called Onesimus in Colossians 4 verse 9 one of you. So he went away as a rebel servant. He came back as one of them. One of them in what way? 
Well, now he was a Christian. Now it was all different. Just go to Philemon. And this is the servant and the boss now. What is Philemon going to do? He has a right, a legal right to do something, but is he going to do it? Now, look, I'm going to leave it till next week. Okay? Read through Philemon for next week. If you didn't get to read, because our time will push us way over time, um, <clears throat> read through Philemon for next week and, and get some thoughts together on that. Maybe look at the letter of Colossians and some of the references there refer to Tychicus and Onesimus, the slave. And see what you think there. <clears throat> see what you think Philemon did. Because it doesn't tell us that he did what Paul asked him to do, this way or that. But what, do you th what will you think when you've read through that? And we'll just go through it next week. A wonderful little letter there from Paul. So this is a little bit of history, a little bit of the boss and the worker and how we should behave as Christians.